Welcome to the Kook Center Podcast, and here's your host. All right, you guys, let's listen up. We won a game yesterday, and if we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak. It has happened before. So let's see some hustle. Let's jack it up a little. I got a feeling things are about to turn around for us. Michael Preston. Finally off the schneid. And if you win three, that's a winning streak. I do like Major League Two. I, I admit it. It's not bad. It's not a bad film. Not a good film. If it's on TBS, I'll leave it on. It's like one of those movies. You know, you, you know those kind of movies. The one where you, you're like, yeah, I'll sit down and watch this. Or my favorite one is when like the hangover's on TBS or something like that. And then your spouse or whoever walks in the room and goes, you know we have that on DVD. Yeah. Well, you could just put it in and start it. Yeah, but it's all the way over there and I got the remote here. And But there are commercials on this one. Eh. This is how I live my life. We're off track as usual. Welcome to the Coog Center Hour, uh, <laughs> Boise State Game Week edition. God, I just you can't stay on top of during the intro, can you? Uh, Dave Southern of the Idaho Statesman going to join us in a little bit to talk about the aforementioned Boise State Broncos uh, after their 24-13 win over the Troy Trojans in Boise uh, this past weekend. But they won. I <laughs> mean, it's... It's that simple. I, you know, I, I, uh, I, I was wrestling with this all weekend, uh, trying to figure out a way to say it or to, you know, to convey how I feel. And I guess it's just they won. They beat an FCS team. They won an opener. They're one and zero for the first time under Mike Leach. It just, I, I, I think I tweeted this at halftime. That was underwhelming, but it was wonderful. It was completely and utterly underwhelming. And I'll take it. It just, you know, check down after check down to James Williams, who's a stupidly good athlete. As if we didn't know that before, we now definitely know it. Uh, you know, and and it just, they won. <laughs> That's really all you can ask. It wasn't particularly dominating, it, but it wasn't close ever. I don't think I was ever worried about them losing that football game after the first couple of drives. You know, I, 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 the way the defense was playing and the way the offense was getting enough done, I just don't think you really worried about it too much, pretty much from the second quarter on. I didn't really worry about it after they went up 14 to nothing. It just, the way Montana State was playing so conservatively and just trying not to let Luke Falk throw behind them, they were playing to not get burned over the top. And that's fine if you have athletes that can keep up with Pac-12 running backs, and they don't. And so they were content to check down and just take fewer possessions, score on the few you can, and get out of there with a win. I, it, it's just, you know, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't particularly awe-inspiring. It wasn't even very, you know, like whatever other adjective you want to assign to it. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't awe-inspiring. But it was a win. And that's kind of the important thing in this one, isn't it? Is that they won. And I, the monkey's off the back now. The monkey, not only the opener monkey, 
but that monkey you've had on your back of the last couple of years of losing to FCS teams, off your back now. And they went and they did it. And again, not particularly convincing, but it didn't need to be. It didn't need to be. And the important thing is they got that win. And that we talked about, excuse me, last week was that, that that's really all they needed to do. And I wrote as much last week as maybe it doesn't matter to us and our psyche. You know, it doesn't matter to the players in their psyche. It clearly doesn't because they go eight and four years. They lose to an FCS team. Maybe it doesn't matter to the coach too much. It, maybe it doesn't, you know, and maybe that's all that should matter is whether it matters to them. But it matters to us. It matters to the fans. It matters to the administration. It matters to the school. It matters to a lot of other people. And again, regardless of whether it should mean anything to us, maybe in the grand scheme of things, if we're going into a philosophical discussion, the performance of 18 to 22-year-old men on a football field shouldn't matter. But it does. And they were able to get the win. And I, you know, there's just, there's not much to add. I mean, Luke Falk looked like beginning of the season, Luke Falk. He looked like a guy who was holding on to the football for a long time, who was afraid to go downfield. Now, granted, again, Montana State dropping eight in the coverage will do that because you're now, you've typically got two bodies for every receiver out there. But in theory, the air raid's designed to find the holes in the defense no matter where they are. And even if you drop 11 guys back, there will be holes somewhere. And Luke Falk, again, tentative to start the year. And he loosens up as the year goes on. I would just love to see him play that loosey-goosey at the beginning of the season. I'd much rather see that Luke Falk now. And then have him continue to do that for the rest of the year. I think we saw that pretty much come to life in the second half of WSU's game against BSU last year. Because you had a you had a quarterback last year who was almost afraid. You know, he he looked afraid. He looked genuinely, you know, it it, it was bad in that way. And he opened things up in the second half, and you could tell got better as the game wore on in that second tilt against second tilt of the season, first one they played Boise State in, you could tell he was getting more comfortable as the game went on. And in fact, WSU outscored Boise State 21-14 in that half. It just it but that's who Luke Falk needs to be from the outset. He needs to be that person right away. Because you can't get by in this, you can't get by in the Pac-12, and you, you certain I don't think you're going to be able to get by Boise State if you play tentatively, if you play worried. It's no way to win football games. In the first quarter of last year's game, Luke Falk had 97 passing yards. In the second quarter, he had 91 passing yards. So that's, what, 188 yards of passing. Not, you know, okay, but not superb. In the third quarter, he had 127 yards. And in the fourth quarter, he had 165. I mean, you, you just literally saw him get looser as that game wore on and be more willing to take shots downfield. 
That's how it's got to be. That's how it's got to be this weekend. We'll talk to Dave Southerner in a little bit. They played very well against Troy. You are not going to be able to get away with checking it down on every play because Boise State, obviously, is a very, very good, a better football team up front than Montana State. They're a better team defensively. They have better athletes, etc., etc. That's just, that's, we know that about this. We know that about, you know, the disparity in talent in college football. You're just not going to be able to get away with it. And that we need to see Luke Falk this Saturday. That's my biggest worry. The defense was absolutely suffocating. Absolutely dominant on Saturday. But again, they should be in that game. I was at least a little worried about a mobile quarterback being able to wreak a little havoc against WSU. But Chris Murray was 5 for 12, 28 yards of passing, and he only picked up 74 yards on the ground. And I'm, I'm not counting sack yardage losses because I, I hate that. I hate that. 74 yards on the ground. Only 140 yards on the ground. 168 yards of offense for Boise State. Mitch Herbert caught four passes. Troy Anderson caught one. I, that's a that's a superb day if you are Washington State's defense. I just go down this list. Isaac Dodson tackle for a loss. Peyton Palour tackle for a loss. Mer- Hercules Mataafa, two and a half tackles for a loss. Hunter Dale a tackle for a loss. Frankie Louvu got half a one. Same with Derek Moore, Garrett McBroom, Jihad Woods, and Aquale got one. Plus three sacks. They were living in Montana State's backfield. And it's encouraging to hear that Boise State's offensive line was having trouble against Troy last week. They were giving up sacks. Brett Rippon could not get comfortable and he's a pocket passer. Now, they do have Montel Kozar to is their transfer. And we'll talk to, again, we'll talk to Dave about him in a little bit more mobile. Can run with the ball. Okay, so better benefit to having a guy like that behind an offensive line that can't protect very well than Brett Rippon, perhaps. But if when Brett Rippon is in the game, you can get to him, he's going to have problems. He is a pocket passer. He needs that pocket to be there to be successful. And if it is not there, he will not be as successful. If Hercules Mataafa can get and disrupt as much as he did, then they're going to feast back there. And if Jalen Thompson can continue to play as well as he did, the linebackers can stay at home, especially when Cozart's in there, they showed you they could against Murray. And again, I understand the jump up an athlete, even just from the big sky to the Mountain West. It's still talking about an FBS team now. And And a very good one at that, who's had a good history recently. You're going to see... You're going to see better athletes out there. Than you did last week. But if Hercules Mataf and that defensive line can disrupt things as much as they did, they will feast. They will get back there. And even if Cozart's back there, they will probably have a pretty good shot to pressure him, force him to make some mistakes. But I really think this all starts with the offense. I really do. Luke Falk has got to go downfield more. Got to do it. Because you can get away with that against Montana State. 
but you cannot get away with it from he- going from here on out. It just will not happen. E- Oregon State, Nevada, Arizona, Cal, some of the worst teams on your schedule. I don't care. You're not going to get away with it. They will make you pay. Because they have the athletes that can do it. You've got to go downfield more. You've got to throw the football. Having James Williams as that safety net is wonderful. And he's arguably the most exceptional athlete we've seen come through WSU in a while. And again, I've said, I said this before this season. I'm going to say it again. You better be prepared for him to leave after this year. And if he chooses to, I will be very sad. But that young man has certainly earned it. And I will cheer him on the way out. Because, if, again, if he chooses to leave, he has earned that right to do that. And, you know, it, and he needs to go make his. Because short, shelf life's running backs in the NFL are short anyway. So, that safety net, good to have it. But you've got to go downfield more. Because this few possessions against Boise State in the Pac-12, it's going to kill you. Because the whole point of this, or the whole point and the, the whole idea is that Mike Leach's defenses never need to be even average. They just need to be just below average. But I think this defense certainly played well above average on Saturday. I'm not saying that. But the point <clears throat> excuse me, of Mike Leach teams, defenses just below average, are they suffice. Because your offense is going to go out there and score 40 points a game. All you need to do is hold teams to a few touchdowns. That's all you got to do. A few four, even five touchdowns. That's all you got to do. And this defense did more than that last Saturday. Absolutely stifling. Absolutely suffocating. But this offense has to go downfield more. Has to. And it really does start this week against a much better opponent in the Boise State Broncos. Got to see that ball fly, Luke. Got to see it go downfield. Dave Southern from the Idaho Statesman. He does excellent work covering the Boise State Broncos. He's going to join us next. A lot of great insight into uh, WSU's Week 2 opponent coming up here on the Coop Center. Coog Center podcast, uh, the second half of the home and home with the Boise State Broncos, of course, coming up this weekend, the biggest game so far in the schedule, although we are just in the second week uh, of the season. We're joined again by Dave Southern of the Idaho Statesman. He was here with us last year to talk about the Broncos, and we loved him so much. We wanted to have him back. Uh, Dave, I I guess first question I have for you, uh, Boise State obviously opened the season last week as well, a 24-13 win over the Troy Trojans. Uh, did score a touchdown to make it that 24 with about two and a half or so minutes to go. Uh, if you had to give an overall letter grade uh, for the team in the opener, where would you put it at? 
Yeah, uh, well, I guess first, I'm honored to be back. And second, uh, the, uh, the the letter grades, you know, it's funny, I, I didn't leave the report card, and I gave the, the special teams an A-, minus, the defense an A, and the offense a C-. minus. So we'll go somewhere in the middle and say a B. Um, yeah. What's, inter- what's interesting here is, you know, obviously, since 2000, uh, their offense here averaged about 40 points a game. So they had a punt return touchdown, and take that out, that's 17 points for the offense, and only three when Brett Rippon was at the helm. So mm-hmm. definitely it's, that's, a, that's an area that needs to be fixed. But, uh, but yeah, I, I think there's still a pretty good start for them, all things considered, but it could have been much better. I want to get to Brett Rippon and that situation actually here in a minute, but I want to talk because you you know you talked about how good the defense was and they obviously were good. Uh, only gave up uh, two field goals because uh, Brett Rippon did throw an interception and got returned for a touchdown. I want to count that on the defense. Are, are they looking more stout than they were last year, or was this just a matter of Troy? You know, I, I know they were very good last year, but they still are a Sun Belt team, and Boise State just has better athletes, or they should have better athletes. Yeah, and that, that's kind of been the, the big the big question that that kind of we had in the off season was what would this defense look like right off the bat? We, I think there was kind of a, a feeling that it was an athletic defense, very young, very young. They only uh, had basically two guys who had started multiple games for them ever, uh, three I should say, that, that were out there on on Saturday. And I think there was, there was you know you knew that these guys were athletic, you knew they were talented, but was it going to come together? When was it going to come together? And it kind of did right away. So who knows if they'll be able to maintain that? Uh, I think that was kind of the, one of the most surprising things. I think that it'll suit them well, especially with the teams they play against. They play such varied offenses. You know, they're they're going to go from Washington State to New Mexico, for example. So mm-hmm. I think having guys who can move around and be able to you know throw in different guys. They had at their stud end position, they were able to trot out three guys and. Um, one of them had a sack in the fourth film, and the other one had two sacks in his first career game. So mm-hmm. they, uh, it, it was a really great, it was a great start. They had nine turnovers all last season at the team, which was stunning, and then then they had three on Saturday alone. So I think all those things are, you know, a good barometer of that. You know, this defense could be pretty good. Brett Rippon, uh, we mentioned him a little bit and his struggles on Saturday. He actually split time with, uh, I believe, a Kansas transfer, if I have that right, Montel Cozart. Yep, yep. Um, and this was planned, correct? This was not a. This was not a. Brett Rippon was playing horribly, so we're going to replace him with the with the transfer from Kansas. This this was something Coach Harson had in mind to do before the game had even started, right? Yeah, correct. Yeah, he, you know, Montel came in, he's a graduate transfer, so he came in, and I think there was always going to be a plan for him to play, but to what extent, we didn't know for sure. We knew he would be a change of pace guy, and uh, he, there was, it was planned for him to get a series at the start of the second quarter, and they scored. And then when the game was still close, and they were having some issues with the offensive line, they had Montel in for almost the entire fourth quarter, so... That's why I don't want to say you know, there's not a quarterback controversy here, but I think there's a lot of people here in town who are wanting to see any more of Montel Cozart because of he, he definitely gave this gave them the spark they needed, and I think that's 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 accurate. But also at the same time, the, the offensive line was struggling so bad they, were, they weren't doing Brett Rippon any favors, so they needed a guy who could move around back there and maybe spread out that defense just enough, which is what Montel did. So, mm-hmm. uh, so if the offensive line doesn't step up, they're going to have to play Montel more because. Otherwise, you know, Rippon's be running for his life all the time. That actually kind of goes into my next question a little bit, Dave. Is you know, I you know watched a little bit of the game, but a lot of the comments after the game was, "Boy, the offensive line just did not play well." And Brett Rippon is not, you know, he's not a mobile quarterback. He's a pocket passing type of guy. And and if they can't improve, 
it you know it might not have much to do with Brett Ripon the fact that he just can't get the ball out of his hands if he's going to get sacked. Does Cozart, in your mind, just continue to play more? As you said, if the offensive line can't get it together because a mobile quarterback, you know, as as the Seahawks have proven, a mobile quarterback against behind a bad offensive line at least gives you some options sometimes. Should you let some <laughs> defenders back there? Yeah, that, that's good. that's a really good point. Uh, yeah, and, and, I, and I definitely think that that can be the way it is, especially early in the season. If if that line can improve continually, then maybe it'll happen less and less. But you know, Troy, I think Troy has a really good defensive line, especially for a Sun Belt team. But I think Washington State's going to be a whole another level of challenge. So if this line doesn't improve, frankly, drastically, it could mm-hmm. be a similar situation uh, to what we saw last Saturday, this coming Saturday, because of that. And I think. Uh, you know, when Montel was in, they were able to run the ball a little bit better with the running backs, and he didn't have to throw a ton, but when he did, he was able to do it on the move. He was, he was, he was scrambling out, so he was able to create time for himself. And, uh, you know, they might have to do that again, especially if, uh, if they roll with the similar line that they had on Saturday. They have a senior, Archie Lewis, uh, who was a, a starter all 13 games last year, was suited up but didn't play because he's been dinged up. They're not 100% sure if he'll play this weekend, so if he can't go, they might try out the, pretty much the same line they did last week. I want to bring up Brett Ripon one more time here, but just kind of on a different on a different angle. Uh, he was thirteen and twenty three with a pick that one, of course, got returned for a touchdown. That was Troy's only touchdown on the day on Saturday. Uh, how much does he missing Thomas Spurbeck? I mean, he does get Cedric Wilson back from last year as the team's second leading receiver, but the drop off after those two last year was pretty precipitous in terms of the amount of receiving yards going to other guys on the team. I, I think nobody was over 500 yards other than those yeah. two who were over 1,000, both of them. Is is it an issue missing, you know, I mean, you do again, you do have Cedric Wilson, but without Spurback, kind of that, that your best option out there, do you think that's an issue for him as well? And in addition to the way the offensive line's playing? Yeah, no, I, I think it's definitely a, a valid point because – Cedric you know, was, still, was still pretty solid again uh, as kind of the number one guy and able to mix in A.J. Richardson a little bit, a junior who had two catches last year, but none were from Ribbon, and he had four on Saturday. So getting those guys like that going will help. But also, they, they didn't, you know, they lose Jeremy Nichols, who was mm-hmm. not just a really great running back, but started out as a wide receiver here. So, so he was a factor in the past game, and they're still trying to mix in tight ends, and, and I think that's still a learning process. There was they wrote, you know, 10 guys got the ball on Saturday, which was a good sign for them, but it wasn't always very efficient for the most part. So I think that going forward, that's still going to be that's still going to be something to look at because if you, they had two number one receivers basically, and now they just have one of them. Mm-hmm. So if those other guys can continue to step up, it'll be less of a loss. But I think so far it's been notable. You mentioned him, and I know WSU fans know how good he is from his performance in last year's game. Jeremy McNichols, uh, no longer on the team, got drafted. That you know, not a, not an issue with him. Just like getting kicked off, he ran out of eligibility. He's playing professionally now, but um, uh, he's no longer with the team. So, what is the running back situation like uh, for Boise State? Are, are they comfortable with who they have there? Is it you know, obviously you're going to have a drop off when you lose a guy like him. But where are they in terms of their production? Is it is it noticeably smaller, or are they at least you know trying to get near to what they did with a few different running backs? Yeah, I think that's kind of the way that they're approaching it a little bit is, is kind of trying to mix in a couple guys if they can because Nichols was so versatile that they could use you know one guy to do multiple things instead of multiple guys to do multiple things, and uh, they really like uh, sophomore Alexander Madison. He had a forty-nine yard touchdown uh, in that game Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the kind of guy. He's got. He's got a, sort of that Doug Martin build. Uh, he's he's thick. He he, he played his true freshman last year. 
and really impressed a lot of people. And he's the guy who can be a workhorse, and I think he will. But they're, they're, they're mixing in senior Ryan Wolpen. Uh, he's a smaller guy, but he's that, that kind of guy. He's gritty. You know, that, that I know we, we love that word for guys like him. We're like 5'7", five, 5'8". Five, and uh, Rich, Rich and Robert Mahone has been in there too a little bit. So, so they, you know, there was a key third down late in the game where the backfield was Robert Mahone, who was in his very first game, and Montel Cozart, who was playing his first game for Boise State. So I think they're definitely trying to mix it in best they can. Madison's the guy that I think is going to wind up for sure being the team leader in carries, but mm-hmm. I think they're trying to look lean on a couple more guys this year than they did last year. Do you think it helped the offense at all to open the season at home? I mean, you know, I, I sometimes don't like to think too much about there being a huge advantage to playing at home as opposed on the road, but maybe there is something in terms of just your comfort level of having practiced in the building before being able to sleep, you know, in a, you know, a hotel near your own home the night before you don't got to travel. Did it help them to open at home? Because, you know, you know, although Montel Cozart played and, and Brett Rippon looked shaky, it, it still sounds like the offense had their fair share of troubles, especially the offensive line. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's always good for them to do that. But it's interesting that he, this was Zach Hill's first time uh, as the full, as the play caller for Boise State, the offensive coordinator. They kind of shared the duties last year, and uh, we've kind of figured that most of the time when they that that first time play caller has not often had a great start at Boise State, uh, whether mm-hmm. it's. Homer on the road. The last year on the road, when they opened up at Louisiana, they they looked awesome on offense. So you know, dude, who knows? But I, but I, I think you know, getting it at home really helped, especially late in the game when they, when it was close. I think they still had enough fans here, even though it was really hot. They still had enough fans here to kind of make a little bit of a difference. You know, once the defense was creating turnovers, they got a little bit of momentum, and that really helped uh, it being here for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to talk, go back to the defense because, as you pointed out, uh, they played absolutely outstanding on. On Saturday against Troy, had that uh, you know only gave up six points, both you know uh, two field goals uh, to the Trojans. What what is working so well for them? Because you know I we saw them give up some points to WSU last year in that win. Uh, late on, Luke Falk finally got on a roll in that game and was able to march his team down the field a few times. But what 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 is really working for them this year that uh, maybe wasn't working? I, I know I know we have a small sample size here, but what what is really working for them so far uh, this season, this camp, and pre and so far this one game? I think some of the things that have kind of panned out for them is you know during the offseason when when guys talk about what a focus is and things like that, sometimes it's just coach speak, and sometimes they actually do it, and it really tries to eventually this settles into their minds and it just becomes a part of what they do. And I think two of the main aspects on defense they talked about was trying to create pressure from different places in different ways. They relied a lot just simply on their defensive line to do it last year. Now trying to bring it from other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tyler Horton, their corner, almost had a sack in that game. And so, so that, that's been a difference. And, of course, the emphasis on turnovers is really starting to set in. And that pressure and those turnover things kind of go hand in hand. And I think that's really what's been working. They, they have um, – and David Moa, they you know, led him in sacks last year. He was playing nose tackle, and he was about 265 pounds last year. Now they have a 300-pounder in there. That bumps him over to defensive tackle. Might let him be able to move around a little more, especially when they kind of have that three-man front look. And so yeah. uh, they've been shifting guys like that around, putting them in different spots. DeAndre Pierce was a cornerback last year. Now he's a starting safety. So I, th- I think that what they're, they're utilizing guys to their strengths and letting them you know, move around a little more, just kind of be a little more athletic. And they kind of said that even when they made the mistakes on Saturday, they made up for it with their 
pursuit and things like that. And I think athleticism goes into that. And they've, you know, that pursuit aspect has really worked out well for them. You mentioned uh, them bringing pressure. We didn't see a lot of that from Montana State on Saturday against WSU, and they admitted as much after the game that really what they were doing was they were falling back and just trying not to let the ball, excuse me, get behind them at all. And I, I think they knew, you know, as an FCS team, they didn't have the athletes quite to keep up with Pac-12 uh, squad. And Luke Falk, 33 for 39 in that area, threw for a lot of yards, but a lot of check down passes. Is that the game plan for Boise State then, or do you think they're going to stick with their – uh, with their attempts to pressure Luke Falk into throwing the football because it, it obviously worked for Montana State sort of in terms of limiting the damage and limiting possessions for WSU or does Boise State stick with that game plan of uh, bringing pressure to Luke Falk? I, guess, I think certainly going from Troy to Washington State is, is, is one thing. It, it's a bit of a leap. But they have, you know, Neil Brown, the head coach, was at, he, he was at Kentucky. He was at Texas Tech, so he runs – Sort of similar things. Uh, they had a, a senior quarterback just like Luke, or you know, not you know what I mean, but uh, yeah, a yeah. veteran quarterback, and, yeah. and they uh, and they had 98.7 percent of their production back. And so, a key for Boise State, what they said was they can maybe give up those short passes, just don't let them turn from five yards into 15. And uh, Troy only got two plays over 20 yards against them. So I think what what they've been doing is is trusting those young defensive backs to make plays if they're going to try to create pressure from other spots. And so far, so good. But, you know, like I said, it's another whole other challenge going against Washington State. But I think they feel after, through one game they can trust some of those guys on the back end that they're going to bring pressure. They're, those guys are still going to be able to make tackles and not let uh, short plays turn into big plays. As usual, uh, expectations pretty high for Boise State. They were picked to finish first in the Mountain Division of the Mountain West. Uh, what's the kind of the general feeling in the fan base this year in terms of their expectations for how this team's going to do. You know, obviously pick to go to the Mountain West Championship game again if they're going to finish first in their division. But is that where fans' expectations are this year, or are they uh, down a little bit without guys like McNichols and Spurback on the team? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I, I actually even, I even picked Colorado State to win the division. Oh, so you were, oh, you yeah. were one of those votes I see uh, in the. I, oh, okay. Yeah, and I. And, and, and Mike Bobo, I saw him, and, and he, he said, "Oh, you're, you're drinking the Kool Aid too." And I was like, "It's your team." But no, um, but uh, but but uh, the uh, I, I think the fans. I don't want to. They're not. I wouldn't say they're super optimistic. You know, they they, they know that this team can be has the potential to be very good. Mm-hmm. But I think they're in wait and see mode, or they're in prove it mode, just based on the last two seasons when they fell short of reaching that Mountain West Championship game. I think they're now like in. You know, they're they're in. You know, show it to me. You know, prove prove to me what you can do. So, um, you know, because, because of some of those unknowns too. Like I was saying, they have such a young defense that people were going into the season just not knowing what to expect. Not that we have a great idea now, but I think there's starting to be a little more interest, a little more excitement about this team. That Washington State probably is the toughest game on the schedule, at least in my opinion. I, I think it will be. But uh, I think people are feeling a little bit better about this game based on what they saw from the defense. Because I think that that Washington State offense is so good. And if they had a bunch of young guys going in such a veteran group and such a tough team and they didn't play well Saturday, I think people would be, you know, a little, a little afraid. But I think their confidence team will be good. I think it's just going to have to wait till they can beat the San Diego States and the, the Wyoming's and the Air Forces especially. Mm-hmm. That, that maybe they, that that's when they can really start thinking about this team being back to where it has been. Give me a prediction for Saturday. Uh, late night game. We're under the lights against ESPN. Uh, you know, I, and again, you mentioned probably the biggest game of the year 
uh, for Boise State. Uh, WSU certainly has a big one against USC later in the month, but I know they're going to be thinking about this one based on what happened in Boise last year. Uh, it's early in the week, but if you had to guess right now, what would you say the final score will be? Uh, I, I think there'll be points scored. Uh, yeah. I, you know, right, 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 I think you know, it's funny, right around with the line is at least that I've seen, right around 10. Um, I, give, I still give the advantage to Washington State. I just think Boise State still has a little, little ways to go in terms of you know getting over that youth aspect. I think the offense will take a step up. I think Brett Ripon will play better in this game. But they weren't able to get the run game going too great. Uh, and, the, and the defense is young. I think they're aggressive. But sometimes that might you know come back to bite them a little bit, especially against teams that are – pretty, you know, well uh, conditioned and, and, and well and exec- execute well, kind of like the Washington State offense. So I think this is, this is, this is the kind of, this is the one game that I thought like eh, probably is a loss. Most of Boise State's game I could see going either way, but this one I, I still think that Washington State's going to have the edge. Dave Southern, if you want to read his excellent coverage of this team ahead of Saturday's game, it's the Idaho Statesman. I've been eating it up uh, for the last couple of days. So thank you again, sir, for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks to Mr. Dave Southern from the Idaho Statesman for joining us for the second year running here on the podcast. Uh, His stuff is just superb. Go to the Idaho Statesman's website if you want to keep up with everything going on with Boise State ahead of this Saturday's game. Uh, One thing I want to talk about, and and this has been, I heard this talked about a little bit uh, over Labor Day weekend and then certainly again today when all the sports talking heads are back uh, in session after the long Labor Day weekend. Um was Florida State, Alabama. Uh, I didn't see any of the game. We were busy tailgating and, you know, general frivolity and whatnot, etc. Um, but that it is a game that Florida State, and for that matter, really, Alabama, doesn't need to play. Doesn't need to play that game, you know, so why, why, why even bother? Why bother doing it? It certainly gives us a great a great matchup. That early in the season, it was the first earliest matchup of that kind ever. Top three. It gives the fans something, but why do we, why does Alabama or Florida State need that? I just, here's what kills me. Is for years and years and years, we, the sports media, the voice of the fan asking for a big matchup, big matchup early in the season because we're sick of, you know, big teams playing vanilla games like WSU does, you know, like we do the ABC games and even A is just kind of a middling, you know, Boise State certainly not middling, but, you know, in other years it's, you know, just a middling non-conference schedule with a 
team from the Mountain West or you know the MAC or whatever on the schedule. Constant complaints about that. And when we finally get a game, finally get a game that, you know, there is a lot of hype around it. There's tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of hype. Now on Tuesday, all I hear or have heard is, oh, well, Florida State need to play, didn't need to play that game. Alabama didn't need to play that game. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> what do you want? Do you want them to play that football game or do you not want them to? Even after the BCS disappeared, when going unblemished, you know, we would always complain, no big games, there are no big games, because the risk did not outweigh the reward. The risk of, you know, of losing that football game did not outweigh the reward of it because what mattered most, what was important, was being 12, 13, and 0 at the end of the year. 12 or 13 and 0. That's what mattered. That was the biggest thing that mattered. You had to be number one or number two. And so what's the benefit of playing a team like Florida State or a team like Alabama or even Michigan, Florida at the beginning of the season? Where is the benefit to that? Now, there isn't. There is no benefit to playing that game. Florida State starting quarterbacks hurt. That certainly doesn't help them very much. Now, does it? But even for Alabama, even for a team that is so perpetually, you know, just locked into the college, you know, as, as you can be, as locked in as you can be for something that's only a few years old, that they're so perpetually locked into the top four every year because of how good they are, how they replace players, and how good their coach is. Why bother playing that game? What if Jalen Hurts gets hurt? What about Bo Scarborough? What if he gets hurt in that game? Again, I know, yeah, Alabama's probably just going to replace him with somebody. But still, even for them, what's the point of playing that game? But for years and years and years, all all we hear from fans and sports media is, we want these games. And now I've heard some chirping after, you know, the day after. Oh, why does it matter? Why even bother playing it? Yeah, punish me if you want for watching ESPN around the horn, but that was all I heard. Why'd they even bother? Why bother? What do, you, what do you want? What do you want? I want to watch that football game. I get there is no point in it being played for either of those teams. I don't care. <laughs> I don't want to wait until late December, early January to see it. I am impatient. Give me a football game like that in early September. I want to see that, dang it. I want to see Florida State and Alabama. I want to see Clemson play Ohio State. I want to see Ohio State play Oklahoma like they are next weekend. I want to see that early in the year. My appetite for college football, never full. I am never full of good football games in college football. And again, you know, we can get into the topic of, you know, should we be asking athletes to do this? And there's, there's a whole host of other things that go into this. But if, if what is important to you as a fan is good football games, I can acknowledge on the one hand, yeah, Florida State and Alabama shouldn't play that game, but man, I really want them to. I really want them to. Because at the end of the day, say Alabama had lost that game. Are they realistically going to drop very far? Are they really going to go that far down in the top 25? 
Honestly. I don't think they are. Hell, take a look at the AP poll out today. Florida State dropped a 10. They can recover from that. They can easily recover from that. And now this coming weekend, we get Ohio State-Oklahoma, a 2-5 matchup. Outstanding. Think about it. What if we got like a USC-Clemson early in the year? How great that would be. That again, does it help them very much? Probably not. But it's a lot of fun for the fans that early in the year. It is so much fun. And especially for teams where the risk is not that substantial. Sure, do you risk losing the CFP if you lose that game? Yeah, maybe. But Florida State still, you know, again, if they had a healthy quarterback, probably be a little better. But they still at least have a shot to get back into the top four because there's 11 weeks of the season to go. And hell, there's no CFP ranking for, what, another month and a half at least? If not more? If you're going to play this type of game, play it early in the year when the committee is going to forget about it. And at least there is a quasi-reward for being willing to do it. But the complaint of, why'd they bother? And come on. What do we want? I want good football. I want football between great teams, year in, year out. That's what I want. I want Ohio State, Oklahoma. I want that early in the year. Give me that football game. But, you know, oh, why'd they play it? Well, man, why play anybody then? Nah, just see if you can get your conference schedules to have you play the crappiest teams in the conference. Okay, rant over. I And I, I'm sorry if I rambled there. It was incoherent, but I just, it, it bugged the hell out of me. It just bugged me. And, and I, I'm too real to go back and edit it. Because, you know, that's what you expect from me. The realness. It's not what you expect from me. My chair is creaking. Because it's not very good. Dunderhead of the week. Ask Michael anything. We really ended on a low note there. <laughs> Give us a second on the Coop Center. Out. follow me on twitter if you don't at rm underscore preston uh on our way home uh we stay with a friend in pasco drive up from the day for a lot of games in pullman and on our way home uh from the port or not portland state the montana state game uh this past saturday driving on the road 
You can turn off 26 and watch Tuck Down, you go to Colotus. You can go straight and I continue on to 395. We turn left and there's like a county maintained road that is it's barren. We passed one car on our way home uh, on Saturday. But it's very hilly, you know, so you kind of have some blind hills that you can't quite see what's on the other side. As you're coming up a hill, notice a little dust, and I peeked out, or I saw at the corner of my left eye something. I, I thought it was a person on the road. And as we passed, this absolutely massive heifer, as we were doing, you know, 60, 65 miles an hour, this absolutely huge cow in the other lane, feet from the car. I'm not going to say inches because I, I was too shocked to know the exact distance, but feet from the car. I mean, just so close to a beefy death. I mean, you know, when, ordinarily, if I'm going to an all-you-can-eat buffet and I have 92 ounces of steak and I croak, then that's how I go. But to to be that close, you know, it's it, one of those moments where, you know, you don't think about it too much afterwards, but the cow in the middle of the road driving home from a football game, is that how I'm really supposed to go? Apparently not. I'm still here talking to you now. Uh, however, that was a very frightening moment. That was, uh, that was clenching. That was maybe a little PV came out type moment. <laughs> that was just, that was scary as all hell. Gosh, that was scary. Cows. Dunderhead of the week. Ask Michael anything. Right out. Ask Michael anything. WC Brady at 27. Brady H. Just, he had, what, I'm counting five questions here. So, Brady, the best. I'm going to take your best one, though, because I want to let some other people get in here. Your take on the attendance fight. Alumni versus student section always fighting. Uh, when I was a student, I thought the alumni were wrong, and when I'm an alum, I think the students are wrong. It's that simple. But I, I, I was kind of disappointed with how many of them left after halftime of that game. It was only 14 to nothing. Um, you know, I get it's a Friday night, it's late, you want to go party, but come on, guys. Let, let's stick around. At Donnie Out West, Donnie Turnbaugh, favorite WSU uniform combo. Used to be the all grays, but now that's gone. Uh, I'll actually say gray, white, gray. Or I am fond of, I would love to see the anthracite helmet or the gray helmet with crimson, crimson. That'd be nice. Do you believe in adding sauce to your barbecue or nah? I'm open to any kind of barbecue. My favorite, again, still Carolina. I love the vinegary, you know, pork, and I love that. You want to add some barbecue to your, you know, you want to add some sauce to your barbecue. I say do it. Just don't slather it. Don't slather it in the sauce because now you're, no, now you're just eating sauce with meat. That's what you're doing. At a Rathburn 13, Anthony, are Cheetos chips? Man, this is like, is this like the hot dog sandwich question? I feel like Cheetos are chips, even though they're obviously not shaped like a chip. But I feel like they're chips. That makes I don't, I don't know because they they come in that similar bag, and they have like you know the artificial dust flavoring that chips have. Although I suppose you don't really dip them in anything. No, no, no. Cheetos are chips. Cheetos are chips. 
at Tokes McStos Pumpkin Stos Latte. Is it too early to start the Booby for Heisman campaign? Also, how amazing would it be for a leech running back to win the award before a QB? That'd be pretty nice. I say A, no, not too early. But B, that'd be pretty amazing for a running back in the air raid to win it before a quarterback did. At H. Belvoir, Heath Belvoir, Andre Dillard injury. Happy and healthy. He's happy and healthy. At Coogs. Zukuk, does Neusser still want Leach fired? Joking. Uh, no. I, I think Jeff Neusser's pretty happy with uh, Mike Leach at this point. At Gokook77, is it okay when talking about James Williams to my mom and or wife to still call him Booby? That's what I call him. That's what I call him. I don't call him James Williams. I call him Booby. I was calling Booby on Saturday. I call him Booby when I'm talking about him to my wife. I call him Booby when I'm talking about him to anybody. Booby. Booby, Booby, Booby. Rocking everywhere. Mr. Tommy G-Man, Tom Gilanella. Leach said Andre Dillard had the strength of 10 men when he limped off the field. So how many men does he have the strength of when he's healthy? This is very similar to like how many, how much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood. I'm going to say... Hmm. How many limped off the field? I'll say 17 and a half. 17 and a half when he's not limping. Because, you, know, you, you know, you get a lot of strength in your legs, obviously. So, yeah, I'm going to say 17 and a half. I'm pretty confident with that. Yeah. Yeah. That math checks out. Thanks again to Dave Southern for joining us here on this week's show. We'll make our prediction on Friday with our short show just for SoundCloud, Player FM, Google Play, Stitcher subscribers. If you want to check that out, we don't put it on kookcenter.com. Make sure you subscribe to any of those places so you can pick up that show. We're also on iTunes as well. We will see you next time on the Coop Center Hour.